When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, the comedian and writer of the Betches Up newsletter. I'm Jenny Hogan. I'm a contributor at Betches, and I am a stand-up comedian. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much for filling in for our Millie. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I'm happy to be here. Where are we started talking about this uh, before we hopped on, but tell us where you are podcasting from today and why. I'm podcasting from Edinburgh, Edinburgh. I think I said it correctly in Scotland. I'm here doing the Fringe Festival. I do my hour long stand up show every single day. So if you're listening and you're at Fringe, I would love if you would come see it. It's not about politics, but it is very funny. And I, I think you guys would like it. That's awesome. Where, uh, what, what time? Where? I'll, you could just put it out there for the people. Okay. Cool. It's at one forty p.m. It's an afternoon show. I get a lot of old people. It's one forty p.m. at the Gilded Balloon Teviot, and it is in the lounge. But if you go into the Gilded Balloon Teviot, they'll direct you to the show. And if you want free tickets, I can almost certainly get them for you if you DM me on social media at Jenny Hogan underscore. And yeah, I just would love if people came. Wow, what a deal. So, okay, is this festival like a mix of like people who came there to see comedy and just locals who are like, why don't I check this gal out? Yeah, I think it's like, I I definitely think it's a mix because I have an afternoon show when I like don't know who my guests are. And a lot of the time it is retired people, but the other people are like people who are at Edinburgh for vacation. So it's a lot of people from like all around Europe. I think that this is like the only nice time of year to come to Scotland. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's like sunny and warm. So Anyone who wants to come see Scotland, like, comes in August. And, yeah, it is people uh, from all around the world, though, and it's very crowded. Like, on the weekends, you cannot move down the street. Like, it's really? just so Wow. Yeah. yeah it sounds fun. like the Olympics, like, every year, the comedy Olympics. It kind of does feel that way. Or, like, Disney World-y. Like, it's very yeah. it's really fun, but it's it's really, like, a huge, like, energy expenditure for sure. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us for yeah. from – what time is it for you right now? It's 6 p.m. So my show finished hours ago. I have long afternoons free. So I'm so happy to be here. Okay, gorgeous, gorgeous. All right. We're going to get back to being funny about some things. But first, we're going to start with our number, which is um, unfortunately a very horrifying one. Around 1,300 people in Maui are still missing while the death toll continues to rise from the fires. 
111 people were confirmed dead as of Thursday morning when we're recording, and more than 2,000 businesses and homes have been destroyed. This is obviously the fire I think is still burning in some places, not fully contained, and these numbers have worsened over the week since it began last week. Of course, there are now a lot of questions about the source of the fire. They actually don't know the source yet, but apparently a lot of people are pointing to the likelihood of an issue with Hawaii Electric. They seemed a bit negligent about things in the past, and there's just reason to believe something could have gone wrong. And as I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen, really serious questions remain about why the island's elaborate siren system did not warn residents. Apparently, it did not go off at all, like as the flames uh, did not indicate to residents that there was a problem as the flames were, were burning. And so they felt that they did not have adequate warning that they needed to like escape. And the president will fly to Maui on Monday. But I think as we've all read, like a, a, a catastrophe of like historic proportions. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously very upsetting to just continue to watch the news that is coming out of Maui. And it's also, I, I I was writing about this in the newsletter today, but it is kind of interesting. I feel like Biden was a little bit hesitant to like talk about this as quickly as you would too, kind yeah. of imagine him to talk about it. Like even the fact that he's just flying out, he's going to fly out there the Monday that's upcoming. I just can't. It's hard to imagine that if a fire like this happened in one of the mainland states of the United States states that he would be there a week and a half later i think yeah that's a really good point if it were in wisconsin or a state that like people more yeah that associated with the lower 48 because i feel like hawaii is still sort of othered as like a place that's not part of america yeah it's like it's kind of reminding me of the situation back when Puerto Rico was hit with that hurricane Mm -hmm. and, you know, the way that people kind of treated Puerto Rico as other, which it really shouldn't be, but it is, Puerto Rico is like a territory, whereas like Hawaii is a full on state. So it just kind of goes to show that like, I don't know, I just feel like the history of colonization is really showing through here. I feel like it's also just strange. I mean, number one, it's just hard to imagine, again, that anywhere in the mainland United States, he wouldn't have been there kind of within days. And then number two, like an entire historic town was lost in these fires. Like like if Colonial Williamsburg burned down, (laughs) Biden would would go. Absolutely. Immediately. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it, it really does feel like Hawaii is being treated differently than any other state because its history is a colonized place. I mean, the entire United States is a colonized place if we want to get down to it, but the more recent colonized history of Hawaii. Yeah, and Biden has, like, been on vacation for a week and a half, which is, I, you know, respect his right to take a vacation, but it's definitely really bad optics that he has been on vacation the whole time. This is happening. Right, it is, and, like, yeah, yeah. I think he'll have some 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 splaining to do. We'll move on to our main news now. So on Monday, we recorded last on Monday, and we did preview the fourth Trump indictment pretty in depth. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, Elise, remember, we were kind of like, are, are indictments still hitting like they used to? And we we're like, I don't know, the... 
The spark might be fading, but then Fanny, Fannie Willis hit us with a 41 count indictment that is 97 pages long against 19 defendants at 1130 on a Monday night. And it was it exquisite. It did come in on my birthday. It did come in on my birthday. Mm-hmm. Ginny, you may not know this, but there's actually Galore. a history of all of Trump's indictments coming in when Amanda is on vacation or otherwise kind of experiencing a life event. And so we were worried that maybe this one wouldn't come in on her birthday. And then it 1130 PM on Amanda's birthday, we it did drop. What a great and I celebrated by not posting a thing until the uh-huh. next day. Nice, nice, nice. Happy birthday. <gasps> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, you know, it's been a few days since the indictment came out, and I'm not going to repeat all of the details. I think we've all read about it, but I want to unpack some interesting factors here. So Trump is charged with the most crimes, but he is close behind as Rudy Giuliani, our our dear friend. Some of those are RICO charges, which, as many pointed out, rely on laws that Giuliani was known for employing against the the mob. So there's a there's a specific gratification in that for for us as an audience, I think. <laughs> These racketeering charges refer to participation in a large-scale conspiracy to overturn Georgia's election result. These are state-level charges, which means that Trump can't pardon himself even if he's elected president. The hush money charges are too, the ones in New York, but these are they're more serious charges. I feel like it's it's just easier to imagine a jury would find him guilty. I can kind of imagine a jury being like, eh, everybody does this with hush money. Like, but this is like we've said before, nobody has done this. Nobody has tried this. And Fonnie Willis says she wants to try all 19 together. Also noteworthy here are that some of the charges are related to harassment of election workers. We talked on the podcast recently about uh, the lawsuit, specifically Ruby Freeman, and I think her mom, who was also an election worker, who had uh, a lawsuit against Rudy Giuliani. And Trump and Giuliani accused her and others of interfering with ballots, which resulted in a terrifying harassment campaign from Trump supporters. So they are now being charged for their role in that harassment campaign. And of course, some things never change, though. Trump supporters have reportedly been doxing grand jury members and posting their names of photos and addresses on line thoughts and reactions to this this latest drop and perhaps i i might say the best drop of indictments i am so curious how they're gonna get a jury together because who doesn't have an opinion on trump that's like right like what and and what kind of questions are they going to ask someone to find out whether or not they have an opinion on trump i think that it's going to be and the 18 others yes and also like what there's no way yeah and are we going to see all 19 of them in one courtroom together because that sounds very exciting i'm giddy over that i mean so they have until friday next friday week from tomorrow to all turn themselves in i feel Mm -hmm. like they theoretically i guess they can go at any point Mm -hmm. But I mean, they, they, these are not like the most like on, <laughs> on it people. So <laughs> I can see them all waiting until the deadline. And yeah, that means we'll see them just sort of like piled up all around each other, possibly mug shots, according to, to one of the sheriffs. But that, that would be beautiful. That would just be a sight to behold. Yeah. Yeah. I like to echo Ginny's point. I have been constantly fascinated with what this jury pool on any of the indictments are going to look like like it's gonna have to be nine to 12 of the weirdest fucking people (laughs) in the united states like absolutely the most bizarre individuals that you could possibly meet and it i mean i think one of the things that is the most kind of fun about this one is that like i think cameras are allowed in the courtroom for this one yes wow so we're gonna get the we're gonna get some of the imagery that has been missing 
from the other indictments, which I think will help this one to hit a little bit harder Mm -hmm. because we're Mm -hmm. actually going to have to see him, I guess, enter the guilty plea. Cause I don't, you like you specifically have to say like not guilty or I guess, I don't know if a lawyer can do that on his behalf, but we are going to have to see his courtroom behavior up close and not just like via a sketch. It's interesting that we've taken for granted with all of this, that like, this is not normally how things go when you have four indictments to this magnitude. Usually you're looking for a plea somewhere on something. And the fact that this man is is like, yeah, I'm down. He's going to trial on everything. And I've seen his polling numbers apparently like I, there was some talk with the third indictment, like, oh, I think they're losing um, their like motivational impact on his supporters. But then after this one, support for him kind of like went went up again. So it's going to be super animating to to both sides it it's going to be it's going to give like the same kind of like energy we had covering the Trump administration i feel like we're all going to have ptsd my hair is going to start falling out again I'm just going to be intermittently like terrified in the middle of the night i do have one concern which is like there are now so many charges against him that some of them are going to get dropped or he's going to be found innocent of some of them and i feel like that is really going to feed the this the fire of the people who want to support him and they're going to use that as proof that it's all a big plot and so i'm wondering like if it would be better to kind of err err on the side of caution and really only charge him with the things he definitely did but then again like mm-hmm. the law enforcement like they are not thinking or should not be thinking about this politically like i mean presumably they are but they are supposed to charge him with exactly what they think he did. So they can't really be thinking about the optics of it. But I definitely, I do worry that when he is found innocent of like three of the 117 things, they're going to be like proof that he didn't do any of it. So that is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And he's going to be, he's going to be using that, that one thing he gets found innocent. I was going to do so much heavy lifting for him, for sure. Let's use this final indictment to kind of scope out what Trump's trial schedule will look like next year. So this is if the prosecutors involved get the trial dates they're seeking. And I'm sure there's lots of negotiation to be done. Special counsel Jack Smith wants the federal indictment interference trial to begin on January 2nd, which is right around the corner. It's three days before the Iowa caucus. Fonnie Willis wants her election interference trial to begin the next month in February. So it's back to back. And then Trump's trial for hush money payments is scheduled already for late March. So that's a trial. That's just that's three con- like six trials going on at the same time consecutively. And he's looking at a May trial date for the classified documents case. So this is the first half of an election year. It makes my stomach feel terrible thinking about <laughs> covering all of this. Like this is bananas. And the question remains, how does this guy effectively run for president? Just like just just logistically, I think, is the question like at this point. You know, I think the thing with him, though, is that as long as he's in the news, he's running for president and all of it serves his, you know, to keep his name at the top of everybody's mind. So even if he's missing out on like traditional campaign events, Mm -hmm. he's going to be the top story every single time he goes to one of these things. And at least in the case of the Republican base, I mean, I truly think they would nominate him from a prison cell at this point. Like, it does not seem like they have truly any interest in anybody else. We just talked about how Ron DeSantis is absolutely (laughs) tanking. And even like the people who are 
going up in the polls. None of it is anywhere near as close to where he is. So I think, you know, as much as I actually do feel like all of this hurts him for a general election with independence, with swing states, with motivating people who are against him to actually come out for the Republican primary, it's all press is good press for him. And as long as he's in the news and as long as he's out there doing whatever, you know, every time he goes to court, he holds a press conference, whatever. I, I don't know that it necessarily hurts him in the primary to be doing all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's his supporters are paying his legal bills, like cashing out their 401ks to pay his legal bills. And it's now all in the same pot, it seems like his like legal bills and his political campaign spend. So I do feel like it's he needs to keep campaigning if he wants to pay, pay his legal bills, which he is doing. It is bananas that that is legal. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I'll re- I'm like, how is this legal? And I read all the rules and people are like, oh, it might be, it might not be, but who really knows? It's like, I, I don't know. Shouldn't somebody find out and stop him? Yeah. But yeah, the fact that he spent $40 million last quarter on legal fees is out of control. And he's been paying for the legal fees of most of his co-defendants too. But I don't know how he can pay for, like, if I'm a Trump supporter, do I also want to pay Rudy Giuliani's, do I, I want to pay Mark Meadows legal, fee- legal fees? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that he's actually paying them, to be honest, because he didn't even pay for that lunch at <laughs> in Miami. So he usually doesn't pay yeah. his contractors, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I guess that is nice of him to pitch in for Rudy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we do. Yeah, Rudy, we as we have discussed, he needs it. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. 
life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are for dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now, next, our next segment, Women's Rights and Women's Wrongs. So we are constantly talking about 2024. And with the first GOP debate less than a week away, it feels like we're getting more mainstream coverage of the landscape of the next general election. I mean, people like us are obsessed with it and reading about it all the time. I'm seeing more kind of like man on the street things like with like, who do you like? And this also involves, you know, applying a magnifying glass to particular demographics to see how their trends and behavior might impact their voting patterns. And much like you know, many recent cycles, I think we're going to be hearing quite a lot about the role of conservative women this cycle. And not just like the crazy Ginny Thomas types or the fox-pilled conservative women that are like in their 60s and 70s. We're talking about younger women, many of them around our age, many of them young mothers who have become parts of really influential factions of the conservative movement. They include members of Moms for Liberty. They're the pro book banning, you know, don't call my kid racist types. This includes an even younger set of women who have come through this kind of like wellness, anti-vax, anti-birth control pipeline. And overall, kind of the idea that vaccines are bad for you, that birth control hasn't been researched enough and your schools are brainwashing your kids. These are all like, you can all turn these into anti-government sentiments that are typically associated with the Republican Party. So I think that sort of like lays the groundwork for this pipeline. This pipeline is hugely benefiting female conservative extremists. Um, According to an article in The Guardian this week by the writer Mackenzie Ryan, Researchers who track how the far right recruits and mobilizes are reporting that women are playing a growing role in the movement. So conservative women, like there are more Ben Shapiro's than there are, you know, Megyn Kelly's or Tommy Lauren's and the other people we're about to talk about. But the number of women who are kind of like public facing are growing, but they're also doing a ton of the maneuvering and organizing behind the scenes. In just two and a half years, Moms for Liberty has grown to 285 chapters. It has over 100,000 members in 45 states. And last year, it had 500 endorsed candidates and half of them won their school board races. That's like a stunning success rate. Uh, Emily Amick talks about this all, all the time. Like that is like you don't even dream of results like that when you first start a movement. So something about what they're doing is really working for them. Um, And also, I learned this today, it was a conservative women's group that got the permit for the January 6th rally that pre-gamed the insurrection. And as we'll discuss shortly, there are lots of these like Ben Shapiro Barbies who are targeting women with misinformation across social media. So before we kind of like get into the specifics, how have you guys... Where have you guys encountered this sort of trend? Is it online? Have you talked to anybody? Like, is there anyone in your own networks? Elise, where are you seeing it? TikTok. TikTok 100%. And it's so crazy. It's so weird because, like, the TikTok algorithm knows absolutely every single thing about me. But it it knows it'll every once in a while Mm -hmm. feed me a conservative woman who's like, this is why I went off birth control. And then it's like weird stuff that's not really true about the birth control pill or that is being manip stuff that's kind of true that's being manipulated. It's very um 
like kind of like Christian influencer world, Mormon influencer world, like all that kind of stuff. Every once in a while, I'll stumble upon it. And at the end of the day, like there is a long history of conservative women, you know, undermining the feminist mm-hmm. movement, being the face. Of so I don't have e- an ERA. Yeah. No, yeah. Phyllis Schlafly. Uh was the face of opposing the ERA, like white conservative woman. So I do think that the forces of conservatism in general know that they need female faces to push some of this stuff because some of it coming from men, like you don't, you don't want a man telling you not to take a birth control pill. Like that's not, that doesn't hit the way like, a beautiful blonde who's baking a pie saying, well, I actually just want to be more in touch with my cycle and my womb. Yes. I love my children. And that's why I went off the birth control pill. Like it hits very different. And you don't know when you're watching it that it's going to go that direction or is motivated by that direction. Like, like I, there are so many times where I've been watching a TikTok and I know I already know, and it's some basic white young mom in probably Utah or Arizona, like doing her skincare routine, going across her day. I'm like, that's a great recipe. I'll try that. Oh, maybe I should try that. And then she says the craziest shit I've ever heard. Like her kid has 107 degree fever and she's treating it with like, you know, milk thistle. Like, have you ever come across those, Jenny, where you're just like, oh shit, I almost got pilled. I almost got red pilled. Yeah, definitely on TikTok as well. Um, I see it. I follow Josh Hawley on Twitter, his wife. He's tweeting about her being a famous abolitionist, which like, Literally the first two times he said it, I didn't even know what that meant. And then I looked it up and it's an abortion abolitionist. And she's like high profile. No, like a lot of they call themselves. Yes. Abolitionists. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's like been involved in a lot of big abortion cases. Um, and, but she's very like it, she has a totally different approach from any kind of conservative man in that she, like I've seen her on Fox news and she's extremely like saccharine sweet, like talking about like, raising money to like get diapers for people like it's it's the opposite approach but one thing I find so interesting and and I think we'll maybe discuss it with like the trad wife trend is like these influencers work hard and like these these are high-powered women like who have serious jobs that they probably make a lot of money from it but they're advocating this like very traditional life for women but like they are not living it like that's what I think is interesting like I don't know yeah, absolutely. I think another another thing that comes up on TikTok a lot is the trad rife. And these creators, like, they go about their very, like, narrow days. And that's the thing. It's like, you can't tell. It's like, they act like it was their whole day. But I'm like, oh, no, was this just your five to nine because you, you worked all day? It's very confusing, but they clearly have an agenda. And their whole message is, like, how submitting to men is actually empowering to women. Respecting men as, like, I watched too many of these this morning. Like, respecting men as the head of household is just – it's going to result in more peace and a more fulfilling home life overall. They asked to ask permission to leave the home, to go to the gym, and they love this. They're like, it makes me happy to be able to ask my man. It was actually my idea. And um, they're not, they don't have opposite sex friendships. And a lot of them are just in this like weird 1950s cosplay. And yes. experts have called this the resurgence of this Chad wife culture as, quote, a reaction to the overall liberalization of American belief system. So there's sort of like a couple tracks here. There's the kind of like return to conservative traditional values and the embrace of anti-science that is also associated with like the kind of far right movement, but the trad wife stuff, 
is is do you think this is effective? Who do you think is watching that and is like, oh yeah, that sounds nice. I think I'll I'll think I think I'll try to embrace that. I I do think like to a certain extent it seems like a simpler life. So someone who's like stressed out might find it relaxing. But I do have a lot of friends who are like, um, you know, liberal women educated have careers who who say things like, I would like to find a rich husband and not work. And I think it's because their jobs are so unfulfilling. Like I almost feel like corporate America has gotten so bleak that it's like competing against feminism. And not that I think that feminism means that women have to work. I, and I, I respect women who want to um, stay home. But I think that it is the idea of work being empowering has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of corporate America. So I do hear a lot of people say that they want to like be stay at home um, mothers and wives. So I'm wondering if it is appealing to them as like, this like dream mm-hmm. of a life that I could have. It is so interesting. And I think that is kind of part of, you know, the creators that are trying to get this message across. And that's such an interesting point is it's like capitalism is also like an oppressive husband in a way. Like we are being like oppressed and exploited everywhere. So it's sort of like they're trying to make it. I mean, I, I don't think they're ever saying this, but maybe it's coded as like, it's actually, this is, this is actually more rewarding. Isn't it better to just like stay at home and do this? So they are saying that, which is really oh. interesting. So I have seen some of the weird TikToks that have come across my like page are this thing that will that will say out and out actually women had it better in the 1950s and before feminism because all you had to do was keep home and watch your kids and now look at this now you're pulled in all these different directions and you have to have a job and you have to do this stuff and men don't hold the door for you anymore and all it's like this very it it does take advantage of the like uh trying to have it all capitalism fatigue that women do experience and that we've talked about here of like how a lot of working women have to do their what they call it like the second shift when they get home and how tiring and taxing that is the fact that we don't have a society that helps working pa- parents in any way, shape, or form to provide for their families, I think that this mentality is like wedging itself in that gap and trying to tell women like, well, actually, there was a time when you wouldn't have had to do anything and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, if that if women actually loved that, then why did second wave feminism even happen. It seems like they actually did feel pretty fucking oppressed by that and like literally started an entire political movement to change it. So, but this tries to gloss over all of those things, like as if the feminine mystique was never written or Gloria Steinem never walked this earth. (laughs) Like The feminism, the feminist movement of the sixties wouldn't have happened if actually what if actually women were having a great time and loving it and it was really nice and everyone was living harmoniously with their nice husband right and also what goes without saying but i guess should be stated is that like not every woman in this country men aren't doing great they're not doing the best they ever had not every woman in this country can just stop working and rely on a member of the opposite sex if they happen to be heterosexual like most women work because it's not it's not like oh this is just I don't need a dual income. I can just be like a pillow princess and wait for my husband to come home. It's just not like it's it's realistic. It's the ideal. And like for yeah. them, the ideal America is just the ideal America for like white Christian thin women, yeah. straight thin women. 
I yeah, I read Stephanie Kuntz's book. She was quoted in one of the articles. She's a marriage historian, and one of the things I thought was really interesting is like when people talk about like a traditional 1950s um, household, it actually wasn't that traditional. It was really just the 1950s through about 1965, because before that, I mean, women were working during during World War II. Too. Like anyone who needed, who could find work was working during the depression. And like the 1950s were a good time economically, like the country was doing well economically. So there was a space for families to survive on just one income. But like that is not, it wasn't a, you know, very long time trend before that. It was really just that time period. So people really glorify yeah. it. But I think that like the thing to miss about the 1950s is the fact that that there were good jobs that you could be middle in the middle class with just one person earning an income rather than like the actual, um, you know, the women being submissive to the men. That's fascinating. So I think what we're all saying is would it be fine if with the inverse of this, which would be just trad husband, you guys stay home. Yeah. 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 I also, one of the things I do admire about the trap, not like the most extreme trap advice, but like the idea of like valuing household work as, as real work, I think is like pretty cool. And I, I think like to a certain extent, like sometimes I, I feel like maybe a household in which one person makes all the money and the other person mm-hmm. takes care of the household is a more equal distribution of labor than what a lot of straight couples have, which is like they both earn money and then the woman takes care of all the household. So I think yeah. that there's like, there's something to be said for it, not as like a prescriptive thing for everybody, but I can see the the appeal of it for for certain for certain couples. And I think that's why everything we're talking about today is successful in getting people in this conservative to cons- in this pipeline to yeah. conservative politics because there is something feminist about yeah. the way that they're presenting it. Like I've seen that too where I've been mm-hmm. taken off guard in some of the ones I was watching to prepare for this by they were like no, like I do, we see this as 50-50. What I do is just as important at what he does, but they're approaching is like, and yeah. I, it's, it's my obligation because I'm a woman. And to me, there is something intrinsically feminist and important about being like, hey, is oral contraceptive like the best thing? But, you know, I trust doctors to kind of like answer that question. So a lot of these women are also doing a ton of fear mongering about birth control. I think a lot of people like, don't have not had great success with lots of types of birth control and they see some person being like here's how to heal your hormones and like and like fix your whole life just go off of the pill and i feel like this anti birth control rhetoric has kind of escalated in the year since roe was overturned usually like elise said they'll take some study and take it totally out of context to misrepresent the real risks of oral contraceptives like one one woman did this it went so viral on the like it's like a 2018 very small danish study that found a link between oral contraceptives and suicidal ideation. And she literally admitted afterwards, she's like, I just read like the abstract and like the study was old and there since had been new studies questioning it. This doesn't matter to them, but this is the problem with TikTok is that like things will go super viral and people just take it at face value. There's one gal, this bitch, her name's Alex Clark. <laughs> she does a podcast with Turning Point USA and she says it's her mission to get young people off of this pill. Ben Shapiro and Steve Bannon also make her anti-birth control content, which is really gross. And these are also the same people that are pushing you to use cycle tracking apps instead, which, you know, some of them do store your data, probably especially the one that Peter Thiel has invested in. And yeah. so like Peter Thiel is going to come back up here. So I feel like they're also like, there's something that's like, why do you guys think that your birth control might be hurting you? Is a compelling message to get women interested in, in this topic that's ultimately going to take them to, well, what about vaccines? What about QAnon? Well, actually, do you think Biden won? Yeah. I mean, listen, I'll speak from experience. I went on a cycle tracking app 
because I was like, I want to get more in tune with my cycle. And I did get in oh, tune no. with my cycle oh, because no. I became pregnant within one month and had to get an abortion. So like, just so that we're all clear um, how that kind of works. You hear that, Alex Clark? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, which I oh, think God. is ultimately, that's the thing is like, that actually is the goal, is that they want mm -hmm, you to mm -hmm. go on a less reliable mm -hmm. system and to do something that will likely result in you getting pregnant at a time when now, you know, when I had my abortion, Roe was still in place. But like now you might find yourself in a really mm -hmm. serious situation and you're in, you know, a red state and you don't have anywhere to travel and you don't have anywhere to go. And so now you're just pregnant and you've got nothing to do. So it it is like that is actually the goal is for you to go off your birth control and end up pregnant. Yeah, and it's also definitely taking advantage of the fact that people don't know enough about birth control and that like some people do have bad reactions to it. And also like people are having a million different reactions to so many different things that they consume. So it's kind of impossible to isolate birth control. So it is like, but I mean, I, I think that it in the same way, there's like a kernel of truth to it, which is that like, women don't have enough information about what birth control does. And like, it has not been well researched enough. And, and it should be innovated more like, there should they should keep working on it until it doesn't have side effects. So like it, it is kind of taking advantage of the fact that women do kind of feel screwed over by their birth control a lot of the time. Yeah, and that which is very scary. And that women are you know often not believed in a doctor's office, not given mm -hmm. yeah. totally comprehensive information by doctors. That in the past a lot of pills are and, and medicines are only tested on men, and there's a long mm -hmm. history of women being given shit, especially for their reproductive health that ended up not being good for them. So it is one of those things where like, again, they're finding a wedge within like real concerns that women have to inject conservative ideology and try to present a false solution. Like the real solution is we need to advocate for health like for comprehensive healthcare for women and that women should be like taken seriously and our medications should be studied and it shouldn't be considered a given that like we endure insane side effects. But what conservatives will say is what if you just go off the pill entirely, you right. know, mm -hmm. because that serves our agenda of not providing this of, of, of appeasing our fanatic base. Yeah. Yeah. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's home 
homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Also, side note, this had me thinking, like, it's not just, it's, like you said, it's not just birth control. It's like all types of healthcare. Did you guys listen to the retrievals? Yes. Yeah, that's all. Like, yeah. <laughs> Literally, there was pain in your voice. I was just like, Ugh. yeah. I mean, women it's- are women are like, and it's it's interesting because you know you talk about conversations where it, it's a different conversation when there are black women who feel a certain type of way about um, the prevalence or or birth control because there has been times when that has been forced on them and they did not have any reproductive choice. So it's like a lot of like parallel conversations happening that like the agendas and the motivations are different. And there are literal publications that are seeing all of the things that you just said. That's like, oh, wow, we can pretty easily get women interested in our kind of extremist message by making them suspicious of of birth control. Uh, We are looking at four headlines right now from Evie Magazine. Elise, I would love you to read them, these headlines, in the tone I think you, you think they should be delivered. Okay, so one is like a picture of a cityscape that I assume is Maui. And it says, were the Maui wildfires planned? Why people believe globalists will take over Lahaina, which is, wow. People, people Uh, are saying. And this is on a women's website. Me. Yeah, and that's what I will say also is that like it's in the font of like the cut or like an art like a like like Uh, a website. I should say we're a women's website too. Like I'm not saying in a bad way, but it's like she'll at least we'll read the rest of the headlines that are getting people in the door here because we get from like, huh, is your birth control making you a little sad to did global did (laughs) globalists start the Maui wildfire? What else yeah, are they asking? Very interesting. Okay, so then this next one is like a a beautiful image of like a blonde woman. She's all lit up in red. I think she's in like a towel, um, looking very pensive. And it says, the new protection. Why you shouldn't have sex with him if he's COVID vaccinated. Wow. Because I guess the vaccine, there is like a, a little like subheader that says, Even if you're totally COVID jab free, it turns out your man could pass some potential problems on to you. What does that mean? So the vaccine doesn't work to prevent COVID, but it will pass some. I'm just confused as to what. I mean, I guess I have to sign up and read the article. Okay, next one is a picture of like a woman 
with kind of curly hair. She's like kind of like an ethnically ambiguous woman looking directly at the camera in front of a blue sky. And she says, 11 celebrities who have collapsed from unknown medical complications (laughs) in 2023 so far. Is it correlation? Or is it just a coincidence? An Have 11 celebrities um... collapsed? <laughs> 11 celebrities have collapsed this year? And also we should say unknown is in quotes. So the dog whistle here is that every time a celebrity like gets sick or goes to a mental health thing, they're like, well, they're fuck- they're vaccinated. It's a vaccinated celebrity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is our last? What is our last one here? Um. Okay. <laughs> How to go from feminist to feminine from someone who's done it firsthand. And the picture is just like a woman (laughs) holding flowers in a wild flower patch. Right. And again, I could not click on these. The other one that I did not have time to screenshot. I'm so sad I can't look at it because I'm so curious. This one literally says 25 style essentials to make your hobbies more feminine. (laughs) Make your hobbies more feminine. I mean, and this it's it's because if you look, okay, so this this place is called Evie Magazine. Again, Emily Amick is always like, guys, we all need to be paying closer attention to this. It'll literally, so I'm reading headlines in the health section that say 16 easy and healthy lunch recipes to support your hormones. Well, I, of course, who doesn't want that? The hot girl's guide to dry brushing. I'm in. Why not? The next one, don't accept his proposal until you're off birth control. You might be choosing the wrong husband. <laughs> Like, it's just (laughs) everything has something thrown in that's bananas. But they're obsessed with marriage. So, like, why would they tell people to put off getting married? Like, that's crazy. I guess marriage is not as good as being unvaccinated. Well, I I think that there because I've heard this before, too. There's this like, I don't know if it's based off a study or whatever, but there's this rumor that um, birth control like changes your hormones in a way where like when you go off birth, like it'll make you attracted to beta dudes instead of your your true alpha mate or whatever. I've heard that so too. Think- I've heard that too. But I feel like yeah. I've always sort of processed that as like, if you're at a point where you have dated somebody so long that they're proposing to you and simply going off birth control and them smelling slightly different is like, fuck, I'm done. I think you had bigger problems. I simply, that's the thing with all of these articles is they're like, we know you read that real study in the cut or whatever and a a legit publication about the birth control. So let's take it to the most illogical extreme that we can find to, to convince you to get off birth control. But yeah, the specific goal to get women off birth control is very interesting. And you can't, I can't help but come to any conclusion other than it's like a What's Elon Musk when you just like want to like have as many progeny as possible? Yeah, um, I think that that is a big part of it is that it's like these people, their conception of like what a marriage should be is actually like a sexual biological situation. It's not it's not about two people like falling in love with each other's minds and wanting to like build a partnership. It's about like man finds woman and carries her to cave. Like it's very, it is literally, they are like, it is pheromone based. So that's why they're like, his pheromones might change. And then you'll hate him every day because you married a little beta dork instead of a big alpha wolf. (laughs) 
So we've talked about a kind of a few other motivations here. Obviously, like the opportunity to or the requirement that we have to work in a capitalist society, it sucks. And in some cases, being oppressed in a patriarchal marriage is more appealing to people and they want to bring more people into that lifestyle. And we've talked about how, you know, questions among around why women's health is not prioritized or even researched well enough uh, really gives these like anti-birth control influencers who have a conservative agenda, it gives them an in with a lot of women that have, you know, reasonable concerns about what they're putting in their body. Do you think there's anything else that makes this social media pipeline so effective? Like what else about womanhood in 2023 makes people vulnerable to the far right trap? Well, a lot of them are really pretty. And they're baking a pretty pie and they're putting nice music behind it. And like you're literally they're literally laundering the image of it. Like if something if you're like like what Ginny was talking about earlier, like you're working a shitty job that makes you feel like crap. You're where like you don't you, you don't feel like you have time to like do your hair in the morning because you're running around. You never like you're not feeling amazing about your job and then you log into TikTok and you see this girl who's dressed as a perfect little 1950s housewife and she's got a perfect dress and she's doing a little lattice pie and she's like look at my beautiful day there is something like intoxicating about that I also think it's like the Democratic Party does like needs to remember that they're not entitled to anyone's votes and that it's like um like they I mean I'm like a Democrat and I'm going to vote for Biden if he's the nominee. But like the idea that like, you know, women, I know white women voted for Trump more than for Hillary, but like women overall, especially single women are, are like a big liberal block and like should not be taken for granted. And I feel like every time like there is kind of like some movement in terms of like, oh, women are like becoming more conservative or like, oh, why were like Hispanic voters voting more for Trump? It's like, that's because the Democratic Party like takes some of these demographics for granted instead of like thinking about ways to to make their messaging like more appealing, which isn't to say, like I know that Biden, you know, is in favor of Roe and like has done what he could, but I still think that like Congress could do more to protect abortion rights on individual state levels. And I know that that is what the Democratic Party stands for, but like stuff like child tax credits and things that make it easier to be, a mother, I feel like um, they just need to, I, I just feel like Democrats need to kind of keep hammering it. And that assuming that there's like any demographic that just falls in line is not, not a good strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm sure one area that like, you know, Democratic strategists don't think they need to worry about is like, okay, we know white women are a problem. They probably take for granted younger white women in certain generations. But like a lot of people are super animated by one issue. And if your one issue is that you have decided that because you have birth control side effects, the government can't be trusted, the FDA can't be trusted, then that person's, you know, going to vote a certain way. And these are very skillful creators who are definitely kind of like a, a big, a big threat. Yeah. Yeah. That is our show for today. That's all the time we have until the end of democracy for Lisa Morales and Ginny Hogan. I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up podcast. The Betches Up podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.